I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. This is a first for me here at Convo by Design. I am producing three episodes in one week to showcase a design tour in Pasadena on uh, on one day only, October 7th, 2018. Since the purpose of Convo by Design is to share, inspire, educate, and motivate the, the design and architecture communities, in particular, and all creative thinkers and doers in general, this seemed like a good idea and a good time to do this. The ASID Pasadena chapter is offering a really unique event. This is a semi-guided tour of three simply amazing homes that will give design enthusiasts a truly unique glimpse into Pasadena's rich and diverse design and architecture. This one-day event will feature tours of three remarkable homes, a pop-up, food trucks, and more. It's pretty cool. The event is October 7th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. in Pasadena, and you can find all the details on the ASID Pasadena Chapter website. Now, if you download episodes after the 7th, you can hear the tour of the homes. This was really fun to do, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. You can hear all about them here, and you can find much in the way of video on our YouTube channel. So we've got you covered. The three designers you are going to hear from include Christine Santana of Santana Interiors, her Las Vegas-inspired traditional, uh, you heard me right, will, if you're like me, make you long for the Rat Pack days on the Strip. It's just fun uh, and glitzy and traditional. I don't know how, to, how else to explain it. I'll let her do it. Uh, Jennifer Bevan Montoya of Jennifer Bevan Interiors offers up her own home, a Paul Williams update. And what an update it is. You'll also hear from Rosalind Woods of Rosalind Woods Interior Design and a soft modern ranch with a woodsy open floor plan and a treehouse master suite that you will crush on big time. All three designers are featured in their own episodes, so you can spend time with each one in each home. And I really hope you enjoy the tour. I also hope you like this episode. If you do, Please give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can also find us on most social media, but what I think you'll like best is the Convo by Design YouTube channel where you can find short videos from each of these podcast episodes. This is Christine Santana of Santana Interiors. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond and has been since episode number one. Snyder Diamond is always first with what's next in the kitchen and bath. That's the philosophy of second generation president Russ Diamond. He travels the world looking for the appliances, fixtures, and finishes for the kitchen and bath that allow designers and architects to create amazing spaces for their clients. Products like those from Mila. I recently toured the Mila showroom and was stunned really by all of the amazing products that Mila has to offer. From coffee machines, to ovens, ranges, hoods, Combus steam ovens, washers, dryers, dishwashers, all made with that Immer Besser philosophy hard-coded into the very DNA of this family-owned and operated company since their founding in 1899. Mila products are made to serve and built to last. They possess the form and function you expect, and they were created with the future in mind. The technology integrated into these appliances remarkable, and they were designed to work seamlessly together, all to make life that much easier. Now, combine this world-class product with the standard bearer 
in customer service, Snyder Diamond Service is here for you, and you have a powerful partnership. Find out more at any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond showrooms and check out some fantastic limited-time offers and promotions from Mila while you're there. You can also learn more at SnyderDiamond.com. Do you have an area where you work primarily? You know, in real estate, agents have kind of a zone. Do you have a zone or do you go outside? Um, I have to say right now in my career, it's with the Asian community in Arcadia. Is that right? Yes. How did that happen? It was just a fluke. Um, in 2008, when the, when the market crashed, um, I had to downsize and um, it was pretty pretty bare bones. And then some uh, an Asian couple came to me, said they were building two houses in Arcadia, and would I be interested in helping them design it? And I said yes. And I ended up doing that, and from that, they and it was a spec home. They sold, so they bought more property. And then we built those, and then those sold, and more spec homes came, more spec homes came. This was in 2012. And then from then on, this word of mouth. In the Asian community, word of mouth is gold. If, you, if you're in with them, you're in like gold. If you, if you mess with them, forget about it. But if, you're with, if you win them over, they love you. So I've been primarily just working in the Asian community, either in Diamond Bar, Arcadia, and San Marino. That's great. So tell me where we are today. We're in Pasadena, and this is a non-Asian client, and I've been working with them for 18 years. They had a large room upstairs. It was called the Great Room, um, and they needed a designer to do something with it, and I created three zones in this big, giant space. They loved it. They never moved out of it until they decided to remodel the main house, which is downstairs here. Um, there were three houses on this property, and um, they bought all three and knocked down the house above, just left the garage. There's a big house up on the top of the hill. They have that for their daughter and decided to remodel uh, this house. And um, they moved up to the uh, garage. I remodeled that little garage like a cabana. And they um, moved there while I w worked on this house for three years. They wanted this to be a mansion, a southern mansion, which it was to begin with, but it wasn't mansion. Mansion is 10,000 square feet or more. So this only had 8,000. So we pushed forward, and where I'm standing right now is part of the remodel of pushing forward. And because of a mansion, a southern mansion, I thought black and white marble would be the ideal element to put in this entry with a large, um, not typical chandelier. This couple loves Las Vegas and they wanted a Vegas look but with traditional looks. So as a designer that was very challenging but I think I kind of accomplished it. Yeah, so that's really interesting. So as a designer, Southern Las Vegas. Yes. I, I, I can't really think of others, you know, two different, completely contrasting and different styles. Well, I think when they, when they kept telling me Vegas, 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 I kept thinking of Vegas of my thought. But I guess, if, and I haven't been to Vegas in a lot of years, you know, uh, the Wynn and some of these beautiful, beautiful hotels are very, very elegant. So that's what I, then I finally figured it out. They want a little bling, but not too much. So that's why, you know, hence the chandelier, the, the rock crystal chandelier, but it's not a chandelier. <laughs> so what were some of your inspirations as you, as you 
set out on this particular project, what did what were the what were some things that you used as 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 touchstones or foundations? The Southern uh, colonial mansion tradition. I needed to keep with tradition with this mansion. I, I, I don't like the idea when you go in, especially in Pasadena, there's so many beautiful historical homes to all of a sudden change them into something that they're not when they were originally supposed to be a southern colonial mansion. So hence the columns in the front, the black and white marble, and then I added all the moldings in, this, in the entry, all this um, wainscoting, uh, raised panels, everything in here is all wood. So um, so it just needed to look like it was original to the house. And when it comes to furniture, appliance, um, who did you spec? And do you have certain partners that you spec on a regular basis? Or did you, tr did you try anything different on this project? Um, I, I kind of fell into, the, there's a place in City of Industry called California Design Center. And they carry a lot of the high-end furniture. So I use them. They carry Christopher Guy, which is all, Christopher Guy is famous for Las Vegas. And so uh, they have Christopher Guy. <laughs> so I figured I could do Christopher Guy. That'll be the Vegas. And um, Mitchell Gold, which is in Glendale. So I did a lot of their furniture and Backstreet and Associates for um, uh, accessories. They're here locally in Pasadena. They supply all the designers with lamps, pictures, all the small items that you don't have to go all over town to look for. And they're a wonderful company. Very nice. All right. So next, we're going to go check out the, uh, what are we calling this? The living room? We're calling it the gentleman's room. The gentleman's room. Okay. So this is the gentleman's room. Yes, which is the man of the house. He wanted this to be his little man cave. So it had to be, um, couldn't be traditional. <laughs> this is where I had to draw the line on tradition. So we have a poker table. We have a bar. Um, we have lots of, got a lot of seating for all his buddies to come together, smoke cigars. So there's all these French doors that can open up and let fresh air in. But then I ended up putting this wonderful paper in that has like a marble look to it. It's a commercial paper, but it but just kind of acts as a nice background instead of just paint. I really like wallpaper. And this beautiful rug, black stained floors. So it has a traditional look, but yet it has a masculine look and this kind of glitzy light fixture behind me is oh. quite quite fun. Yeah, it is. And okay, so I got a question for you. Sure. Practical question. So once you're done with the project, it's really not your project anymore. It's back to the homeowner. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing though. So you mentioned that this is the gentleman's room. Mm -hmm. This is just off to the left of the entryway. And this is his space, and he's a cigar smoker, and he and his buddies can come in. And you bring up a very interesting point. So you have other rooms that are connected to it. It's connected to the main foyer. It's the cent really the center of the house. A knowing what the room is for, do you, did you work anything into this for noise abatement or odors from, from cigar smoke or... Um, anything else like that I mean you know not that it's going to get raucous in here but if if it's a Saturday night and the guys are in here playing poker and smoking cigars and the rest of the family is either in the next room <laughs> watching TV or they're upstairs trying yeah. to sleep uh -huh. do you take that into account or are you are you kind of limited by the the footprint of the space to begin with mm, good question well 
I don't think they would probably smoke in here. They'd probably go outside the French doors because I think they would, because of the fabrics and things, I think they would be sensitive to that. But um, who knows, after a couple of brandies, you know, your good point. But I did not take that in consideration. But I have in the past, on the, those houses that I'm doing for the Asians, as I mentioned, um, do have cigar rooms, and I do... Um, treat those differently. I do do soundproofing in their theaters and that kind of stuff. But this particular house, I didn't take that into consideration. Okay. Uh, this is a great space. Anything else? Where did the artwork come from? The artwork was theirs, and I just had it reframed. So I had to work around everything of theirs, which is okay. You know, maybe it wouldn't have been something I would have picked out, but I have to be sensitive, and that's what a good designer does. It's not a showcase where you can come in and do your own thing and show everything that you do. This is to show what we do with their stuff. Something else that I'm just noticing that was beautifully done by you, um, and I love it primarily because it goes relatively unnoticed unless you're really looking for that sort of thing. So over your shoulder, so you've got this, the poker table to the left, you've got a seating area in the center, and then off behind you on the... On the insert, you've got a you've got a TV screen mounted against the wall in a in a place that either in the past you would have glasses and glassware being displayed or bottles if it were a bar, but you actually use that space very nicely. One thing that I think is a rarity is when you have so much room within which to work, you're not limited by space when you're working in a mansion, but you still found a way to hide a little bit of technology. Um, and and not just overuse the space. I, obviously, it was intentional. Is was that the approach when you came in and designed this particular room for this particular purpose? Well, to tell you the truth, this particular bar was one of the first things I designed, and then as the room evolved, it became more, as I say, Vegasy. So then now the traditional bar didn't work. So I'm having to. Um, try to keep it to say it looks like it's part of the house and the rest so so I at one point I was going to paint it black and put some silver on it and or even take it out and do it but they like it and so you're right I had to just put a tv on it and make it work I gotta be honest with you I like it too I think it's wonderful nicely done thank you thank you okay so now this is the this is the dining room yes and where'd the wallpaper come from I love it isn't it wonderful yeah it's a uh, Stroheim wallpaper or the fabric cut wallpaper. It's, it was just something I found, and it kind of started my theme. I wanted this wallpaper because I wanted the I designed the wainscoting, and then and then I saw I found the um, chandeliers which had the branches in them, and I thought let's put two because the room was so long. I thought two chandeliers would be better for this space instead of one long one, and then I found the then I found the wallpaper. And I thought, ooh, it has the branches, same as the, the, as, the, um, as the light fixtures. And then I found this antique mirror. And then I found traditional furniture and this beautiful antique rug. So it's a mixture. The, the, the drapes are flowers, but they're kind of a silky flower. So the whole thing is just very subtle and traditional. So it, it's really interesting to me because it, it is, and I, I, I'm a huge fan of what you did in here because it is so subtle. So the wallpaper you've got your branches incorporated into the wallpaper, you've got your branches incorporated into the, the dual chandeliers, you've got your branches incorporated into an antique mirror, mm -hmm. as well as the window coverings, mm -hmm. the, the drapery. Um, when you, it, There's so much detail in this room, 
And in addition to that, you've, you've worked in the traditional furniture with the black floors, the yellow metals. Um, you spent a lot of time in this room. Yeah, I did. And it, but, it was, but, but it's so easy for me that it was already done in my head. It was just a matter of, of just finding the pieces that I wanted. And it, the, the jumping off point was the wallpaper. Okay. I found the wallpaper first. And then I did the wainscoting. And so everything kind of evolved. That's kind of how it starts. A designer will have that first thing that kind of jumps off. And that was your jumping off point? So it's the wallpaper. So the, the question then to follow up is how do you... How do you source the rest of it? Just shopping. I'm telling you, I was telling the other lady from the press, designers are just professional shoppers with good taste. Okay, hold it. <laughs> Wait a second. I, I'm going to stop you there because that's not always true. That's not a, that's, so a lot of designers are shoppers. Mm -hmm. um, many designers are strictly sourcing exactly what they're looking for. Many I've spoken to don't like the shopping process, mm. but you do. Yes, I do. I do love construction, though. I do love design. I love space planning. I love, I wish I had become an architect, you know. I mean, I do a lot of architectural drawings myself, but uh, usually from an architect who sends me his drawings, and then I kind of change them a little bit myself. And I can do AutoCAD myself. I'm, I don't hand draft anymore. So... I had a lot to say in this space planning here too. So it's kind of evolved. It's just, it, it just, it's just time consuming. It's just time consuming. It's just having time to find the right pieces for the right places. So personal question for you. Yes. Where do you draw the creative differences? When do you have to be satisfied with something versus when it's perfect? And I say this because designers are very much like artists in this room alone, right? So you've got, You've got the yellow gold tones worked into just about everything, but you've still got a modern sculpture mm -hmm. this way. You've still got the legs on mm -hmm. the buffet mm -hmm. back there. So you still have to sort of live with some things like, you know, you may prefer that that be a brass or a bronze. You may, you may have preferred that that be the, the tone of that, but it is what it is and it all works. Um, when do you decide, I've, I've got it, I've got it figured out? I think, for me, um, I don't overthink. I think that's the key. If you overthink, you'll never find perfection, ever, ever, ever. So if it happened to have that color, whoever designed that piece thought it all out already. So why reinvent that wheel? So whatever it is, it just works. You bring it in. If everything matched, it would be boring. So it just all blends, and that's the key of good design. You just have to go, it's, that's it. And, and perfection is, is, is kind of a curse, and I don't have that. So I'm really blessed in that sense. I th yeah, it's so true. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. It's like, yeah, it, it really is because, it, you know, when, when you put a room together, you have to decide at some point, you know what, this is exactly the way I want it. That's not how I planned it, but it works. So we're mm -hmm. going with it. And we're going with it. And when the day of the tour, I am going to bring in some different accessories because I worked with the pieces that the client had, but I'll probably come in and restage a few things. So my little perfection thing will come in then. It'll show its ugly head. So you do? You <laughs> I do have a little a bit little of it bit. in there. Okay. But, but only because that wasn't my vision in that one, in that sense. Okay. Thanks. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> we're in the kitchen now. Duh, obviously. Um, <laughs> 
So this is a great space. This island is huge. Yes. Clearly, it was meant to be an eat-in kitchen. Yes. Um, gathering. Gathering social area. Yes. This is how you designed it. This is the heart of the house. What was here? What was here before? This was a tiny little kitchen with a little banquette because it was 1932. They had never touched this kitchen. Is that right? And it had little spaces because in those days they had servants and they just worked in these small little spaces. Right. And she is a gourmet cook and she loves to cook. She's Italian. They love to cook. She makes her own sauces and it needed to have big um, sinks, lots of burners, you know, steam ovens, two ovens, two refrigerators, two sinks, you know, practical countertops. This is what they call the neolith. It's a man-made material out of Spain. They put this on the outside of, of, of um, buildings. You could hit a blowtorch to this and it won't ruin it. It's a brand new. But it looks like real marble and it feels like real marble. It is the most wonderful product on the market right now. So I said... To her, since you love to cook, this is what you need. She goes, okay. <laughs> Interesting. That's amazing. Now, here's something else. Yes. You used every square inch of this kitchen. Yes. I mean, you used every square inch. Um, yes. The triangle is is pretty big. Yes. Are you happy with, with the, the distances that you had to, to do? Or was, yes. this was this was how you, how you wanted to structure it? Yes, because... Uh, kitchen design with cooking in mind is, is, is my key. And so where two or more people work in the same space without getting each other's way. Ovens are destinations. You put something in, you leave it. This over here is your working space. So you don't want back-to-back -back, um, sinks because you're going to be butt-to-butt. -butt. But you need something to be able to prep. So this is her, get her refrigerator, get her food, cook it prep it but then over on that side is the cleanup area so it worked out really well so there was a lot of thought she and I both the, the owner and I really went over everything what was going to go in each, in each drawer I mean it, it was a big process when you're talking to your clients do you also talk to them not just about the fact that they're a gourmet chef or they like to cook all the time but what types of food they make and and how they how they choose to work within the kitchen Yes, very important because if they're like because they're Italian, there's a pot filler on here, so they can put a big pot there, bring it over, fill it up with water, start boiling the water. You know, the only thing is, I wish there was a train on there because then it still it only does it one way. Do you know what's funny? It's really interesting. <laughs> I was like, okay, we need a train on this thing. It's really interesting that you say that because that's a great idea, but I've never seen one. Uh, only if it's in the sink, and yeah. I've done it before, where it, you could put a drain in it. But what it is, it's a it's a steamer. It comes inside, and, and it works like that way, too. Okay. So and I the, know it, it's kind of funny, isn't it? And the other thing, too, is I, I love that you added the pot filler. You also added it off to the side. Yes. Instead of squaring it in the center, which, which I've seen you know, almost all the time. You just see it right in the middle because you have to. But when you, when you tuck it away, it's not so obtrusive. Right. It shouldn't be the focal point. It's only a, it's, it's an appliance. It's not supposed to be that important. And we found this wonderful marble, very, you wouldn't believe it, but it's very expensive little marble mosaic. So why cover it? And um, so that was, that was it. But it was subtle enough that it just looks nice. Yeah, no, it's great. Beautifully done. Thank you. Okay. Uh, master bedroom. Yes. What's your approach? to a master and let me preface the question okay. with this so 
the master is generally not something that's viewed by the public, mm -hmm. but it's where the residents spend the majority of their time. Mm -hmm. So you, you have a really interesting approach to this. It's, it's probably far more personal. You can take some more personal touches away from the, the design of the, of the whole house if you want to. Yes. How did you approach this one? Uh, elegant. They wanted something to be very elegant. Again, the husband is Vegas baby, you know, and it, it was, this was one of the last rooms that I was able to do because I could not wrap my head about what they wanted. And it took a long time to find the right fabrics, the right design. Uh, it just, it, it just took a while. She wanted it to be elegant, uh, but not too feminine. This is their little haven. She spends more time than he does in this one. And um, so she wanted this beautiful blue. So everything started with this, this particular blue. And you, you, have, you have a beautiful master bath built off to the side. Yes. You've got a beautiful patio. A veranda that is the full length of the, the full the width whole, of the house. The yes. whole width. The whole width. And it's, it's going to be staged for the, the tour, so stay tuned. Um, we're going tomorrow to, to a outdoor elegance for them to uh, loan us furniture. And hopefully the homeowner will just buy them. And so she wanted a writing desk in here, TV again, um, just a haven for her, you know? And, and I like this, too, because here in the Master, you didn't, you didn't worry about trying to hide the TV in this room. No. You don't need to. No, you don't need to. It's so personal. Yeah. And it's big. And you can, you know, I don't like them so small. You need binoculars because the rooms are so big. And um, just, you know, personal art. Um, just, just subtle, nice. It's just a pretty, pretty room. Yeah, nicely done. Tell me about that fan. That fan is, they love fans. They don't like to put the air conditioning all the time. So if you look, if you go through this whole house, there's interesting fans everywhere. It's, um, I forgot what they call this one. Like a windmill. Yeah. It's like a windmill. Yeah. And it really, I don't know how to turn it on, but um, it really, they love it. I found this through modern lighting and it's, it's very incredible. Even though this is a very elegant room, that thing is very cool. Yeah, it, that looks more industrial. It does. It's amazing. It? I know. I know okay. it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun, and then it's right off the mass, the the bathroom, and then this giant veranda, which you'll be able to see. And that's a gorgeous rug. Where, Thank you. Where did that come from? This came from Norber, who did most of the did all the the rugs in this house. Um, this was the kind of the bouncing off point where I say there's a bouncing off point. You yeah. see something, you kind of go. Let's go from there. Yeah. Always one thing that starts it. So the rug was the starting off point in this room. Uh, no, the, uh, you know what? No, it wasn't. It was the fabrics. Okay. And then I found the rug. Is that how that came? She said, my assistant's <laughs> shaking her head saying yes. <laughs> well, I think it's, I think it's interesting, you know, to, to, to sort of see what the inspiration was mm -hmm. and then to look at what came from that. Yes. Yes. Um, century, century furniture, uh, century um, nightstands, you know, that kind of thing. Just, just kind of, just an elegant room, just an elegant bedroom. And then these kind of fancy window treatments up here that have that Vegas look. Yeah, no, this is beautiful. Well done. Um, I wanted to go back because I forgot to ask you something when we were in the kitchen. And so I wanted to ask you that question again, um, uh, 
or rather for the first time, about the kitchens because you do a number of Asian projects. Yes. The Asian community believes in dual kitchens um, and for very interesting reasons. You know, you can look at a kosher kitchen where you'll have two kitchens put in the same space. Two sinks, two stoves, two refrigerators, two dishwashers for to keep kosher. And then you have the Asian view of that where you have two of everything in, in general, but you have them in separate rooms for very specific reasons. That's right. So in, in, in an Asian kitchen, in a, in a separate Asian kitchen, you'll have one for show. Yes. And then you'll have the other for, 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 for cooking, for actually cooking. For cooking authentic Asian a, cooking. Which, which means? Hot um, wok, you know, 25,000 BTUs for very, very hot cooking, very greasy. So the, the materials that I use are different. They can't have a lot of uh, details on the cabinets, but it's two separate rooms with a door. And usually if, it, if we can, there's a back door just to let out the smell and the odors and the, the, the grease. And it has a high power uh, blowers for the, for the cooking. Um, but in the main kitchen, which is rarely used, are all the brand names, Sub-Zero Wolf, Thermador, Gen Air all those, but in the wok kitchen, and it's called a wok kitchen, or um, they used to call it a dirty kitchen, but they don't call it a dirty kitchen anymore. It's called a wok kitchen. Well, yeah, and, and the reason for, for the term dirty kitchen, it, it wasn't derogatory. No, it, no, it's, no, not it's at simply all. simply because the oil at such, a, at such a high temperature, there's a lot of splatter, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of smoke. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of odor. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why the, the cabinetry can't, you know, the materials that you use cannot be porous. Mm -mm. They know? can't have a lot of details. All the surfaces had to be uh, man-made so they can be easily cleaned. The floors had to be porcelain, you know. So all the kitchens that I do, I have to keep all that in mind. You can't have pretty little details in the background, you know. Are they generally on a smaller footprint too? Uh, in the beginning, yes, but now the houses that I'm doing and designing, I'm asking the architect to make them a little bit bigger because that's where they do the most kicking, kitch, cooking and it's the smallest area. It yeah. makes no sense to me. Yeah. So I've been pushing, pushing them over and putting refrigerators in them where they were usually just so small. Yeah. So small. So. Um, practice related. How many projects do you, does the firm work on? say on an annual basis? Right now, I'm working on 22 projects right now, and they're all giant projects. Currently? Currently, how yes. do you How do you manage that amount of work? Well, I have two uh, full-time interior design assistants, and each of them are assigned 11 projects as project manager. One designer uh, speaks fluent Mandarin, and so she gets assigned all the, um, the clients who speak who are Chinese, she's able to translate my contracts to them and send them to Beijing or Shanghai or Singapore, wherever they are. I have Alexa in my office where I go, Alexa, what time is it in Beijing? And they go, it's four in the morning. I go, okay, I guess we can't call her. So, because I need an answer. <laughs> and um, it, it's, it's, we're very organized. We have to be very organized. I have staff meetings and we do project um, site visits. So I have, a very good system going. I've been doing this for 30 years, so I have a good system. No, no doubt, no doubt. Um, at the same time, the business-related, as it relates to the business, because we talked a little bit about what it was like in 2008 where everything mm -hmm. pretty much came crashing mm -hmm. down. Ten years later, we have come roaring back. Yes. The 
the amount, the jobs that you're doing, what would you say in the market? Because I'm trying to get a consensus mm -hmm. for the spending that clients, not just Asian, but, but general, you know, mm -hmm. not on a project pro by mm -hmm. project basis, but mm -hmm. on average, what do you think the average spent per room, not counting kitchens? Oh, that's a tough one because I do a lot of new construction. And oh, so, so the new construction goes between 250 to $300 a square foot to build. And then what I usually tell the clients, if they buy a new house and they want to fill it with furniture, that the, the rule of thumb is to think of 15% of what you paid for that house is what you need to put aside as a budget to fill it with furniture. So if you bought a house for $3 million, you need, what is it, $450,000 to fill it. That's rugs, draperies, artwork. You know, that's a good starting point where people who are buying these giant houses never consider that. They don't realize what it's going to cost to fill these giant houses. So uh, on average, you, you, know, you have to really put that aside. So as a designer, people are just constantly shopping us and going online. So that's why, for me, I work on a flat fee. You do. I work on a flat fee so that way I know they, there's a start. They don't like hourly. A lot of people in today's market, they don't like hourly. They don't like percentage. They can go get it themselves, but they don't know what to buy. So that's why they, you know, my expertise of what to buy, it's a flat fee. There's a beginning and there's an end, and they love it. And, and I would imagine that you like that model better. Yes. I lose money keeping track of time. You know, because you, you have to that's time you have to spend that you're not getting paid for. Right. And, the, and all the texts and all the, the emails and things like yeah. that that you have to try to keep track of. I'm not an attorney. And then the percentage when they want to go to restoration hardware and they're giving me a discount. How do I mark up more 30 percent of something that I've already gotten 20 percent and then go get it? Right. So this way, at least I can tell them what to buy. And I think this is the way of the future. Um, and then with regard to the kitchens. So the kitchens, as far as what, as, as, as far as budgeting and as far as the average spend on a, on a single luxury kitchen, on a single on, luxury, on average, on average, I would tell somebody to average between a hundred thousand and 175,000 for, for a remodeled, beautiful kitchen. It's usually 50,000 for appliances. It's another 60,000 for good, um, uh, cabinetry, your finishes, I mean, it's expensive. That's why I haven't been able to do my off my my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's really interesting? So uh, your your numbers are sp are spot on with the average in the marketplace. I mean, yes. uh, one fifty is generally in yes. two thousand eighteen is is the number that that people generally is widely accepted as as common practice for a, for a luxury kitchen. Yes. Yeah. And but but it's shocking. Last question I have for you is, and by the way, thank you so much for the tour today and taking oh, us around. Welcome. I love yes, it. You're such a doll. You're sweet. What are you seeing? I use the word trend because it is a trend. It, it doesn't mean it's trendy. It's what's uh, upcoming that people are probably going to be seeing in the second half to later part of 2019. What are you seeing from a trend standpoint, be it color, be it mm -hmm. metals, be mm -hmm. it appliances, mm -hmm. be it new, new things coming into the household. What are you seeing? I'm seeing lighter colors. Uh, the days of, you know, putting a different color in every room is probably gone. It's like one color through the whole house. Um, more woods, you know, more, more natural woods, a uh, combination of woods with painted white cabinets, that kind of a thing. Everything's very light. <clears throat> Property is so um, expensive these days that, you know, your space has to be 
used as wisely as possible. So make it look as big as possible. So use light colors, use some natural woods. Um, uh, contemporary is really hot. And I, I, think it, I think it's here to stay. You know, a lot of the stuff coming from Spain and Italy is here and it's wonderful. If I were to redo my kitchen, I do contemporary even though I have a traditional house. And you can do that. And you can do that. I love that. Isn't it great? Yes. Thank you so much for you're the time. You're welcome. Thank you, Josh. It's, you're a doll. Pretty sweet. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant, contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendome spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendome mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vendome before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in LA, or online at Vendome.com.